0: The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily.
1: Hello and welcome along to Thursday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And as always here at FSD Towers, we're your daily source of all you need to know about the Premier League. Gossip, news, opinion... We have got you covered. And despite being Thursday, it is a busy one as we build up towards another weekend of Premier League action. Part one checks out the Carabao Cup third round draw. The names have been pulled out of the hat last night and the big boys have arrived at the party. Seven, yes, seven all Premier League ties now set up for the next stage of the competition. Plenty to look forward to, including Mr Carabao Cup himself, Pep Guardiola taking on Chelsea. In part two, I'll be chatting to Tom from the Who Got The Assist podcast. He's going to be giving you his tips for this weekend and also answering some big questions on Premier League fantasy football. Don't forget to check that out. He's got some crackers to tell us. And then to wrap it all up, it is transfers. West Ham are chasing Lucas Paqueta from French side Lyon and Liverpool face a midfield conundrum as the transfer window prepares to close so all that to come on today's podcast my name's Fergal Brennan and on Thursday duty we've got ourselves an increasingly unhappy hammer Jim Salverson <laughs> Jim how we doing
0: not panicking yet not that unhappy do you know what as you're a West Ham fan people forget the last two seasons have been a complete freak this is what we're used to
1: this is what we're <laughs> conditioned towards bottom of the table relegation scraps it's all good Uh, When it's sunny, it's it's sunny. And when it's raining, it's raining. Uh, And continuing the theme of Premier League frustration this season, we also have Liverpool fan Steve McNaughton. Start of the campaign, Steve. Did you expect to be battling with West Ham? Uh, In a word, no. (laughs) But
2: but (laughs) here we are. So
1: Well, maybe at the other end of the table.
2: But here we are. So me and Jim are just going to embrace it.
1: Right. Well, we're going to take a break from the Premier League, the day job uh, for uh, for part one of the show. And it's the Carabao Cup, Jim. Third round draw last night. As I mentioned in the intro, the big boys, the uh, European qualifiers, including West Ham and Liverpool from the Premier League are now in. And we've got seven all Premier League ties. Now, I've never been very good at maths, but that makes me think that if there's seven all Premier League ties, that means there's seven, maybe more Premier League sides they are going to drop out. So there's the potential for a bit of a bolt from the blue. So I want to get your club reaction from both of you because West Ham and Liverpool both dodged another Premier League side. West Ham got Blackburn and Liverpool got themselves Derby. Now, I know you don't want to look too far ahead into the crystal ball, but given the fact there's going to be a big chunk of Premier League sides kicked out in this round, this game at home at the London Stadium gives West Ham a chance.
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, that's exactly what the League Cup is about, right? It's about the teams from further down the divisions getting an opportunity to go deep into the Cup. It's boring, Man City winning this every single year. (laughs) You want to see a Derby County or a Lincoln City or an MK Dons turn up in the final every now and again. And that's what it's about. And that's one of the few benefits about some Premier League teams not taking this Cup particularly seriously, is you do get those upsets... Every now and again. And one of the things that frustrates me about the the FA Cup and the EFL Cup is that when you do get these fixtures released, the ones they choose to put on television either tend to be massive club against non-league minnows or tends to be the all Premier League ties, which we get to see week in, week out anyway. So I think it's good that there are seven Premier League ties and the Premier League teams will be thinned out early on in the competition because it gives an opportunity for those slightly different mismatches and those giant killings later on in the competition. As for Blackburn versus West Ham, I mean, you'd probably say the favourites as it stands on current form is probably Blackburn. And West Ham are one of those teams that whenever we show a remote interest in a player that that we don't then sign, that comes back to haunt us. So Ben and diaz have him down for a hat-trick. Yeah, against West Ham in that particular <laughs> fixture. I would love it if West Ham took this competition seriously. I think the the opportunity for teams like West Ham to win a trophy in the Airfold Cup is huge and even bigger this year if we are going to lose seven Premier League teams early on. Yes, you've got the mountain of Man City to overcome at some point because they will never to be end up in the final, but I think it is an opportunity for silverware and for a team like mine who hasn't lifted... Uh, cup since 1974 it is i would love to see us in a final and i would love to see us go all the way Um, and blackburn are certainly not an easy opposition to overcome along that journey but as the premier league team you would realistically have to back them particularly at home
1: Looking across to Liverpool, Stee, uh, they've got themselves a home tie against a non-Premier League team, Derby County going to Anfield in the third round. And and Liverpool are the holders of this. Obviously, at the back end of last season, it was an EFL Cup, and FA Cup double frustration in terms of the Premier League title and the Champions League. And it has been a difficult start to the campaign for Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp's been annoyed about certain things, injuries and, and anything else that he can pick up to complain about, really. But... Wet this grass, is again, one of the things that's really any, annoying. Anything, it wasn't dry any, grass, any, it was dry yeah. grass, wasn't it? Grass, grass being too green, grass not being <laughs> green enough. Anything anything that kind of annoys him, he likes to get stuck into. But this, similarly to West Ham, and, and arguably an easier hit for Liverpool in this one because it's at Anfield and Derby, are League 1 Blackburn, a championship. Are Liverpool already looking at the picture and going, given the fact that we are struggling in the league and Manchester City look like a juggernaut, it could be the Cups, including the Champions League, again this season
2: yeah it may well be Um, I think that you know if you're going to win the the Premier League you've got to be pretty much perfect haven't you you, like like you say because Man City is an absolute juggernaut that shows no sign of slowing down I think that I mean we've turned over a bigger gap before I mean if you remember at one point it was like 14-15 points one season and then we've ended up losing it by a point on the last day so it's not a complete write off yet but some things need to change. But I think Derby County it's a good opportunity to get the kids out. Um, you know, give them a a taste of um cup football at Anfield under the lights. And I think that's what Jurgen will do. I think he'll heavily rotate for it and go with um, you know people that are on the bench you know most weeks and most games really to get us through them early ties
1: looking at some of the fixtures Jim obviously we mentioned this idea of seven all premier league ties Manchester City against Chelsea is the jump out one Liverpool are the holders but City under Guardiola have dominated this competition but they arguably other than maybe getting Liverpool they couldn't have had a more difficult draw than Chelsea Guardiola is such a perfectionist. He wants to win every game and he wants to win every trophy. But already in this competition, they've got themselves a real difficult tie that could effectively upset his perfect plan for 2023. He does take his competition seriously, but
0: at the same time, I don't think anyone would be devastated if Manchester City do get dumped out in the early stages. No one in terms I think there'll be a few Man City fans
1: disappointed about that one. Well,
0: I I don't know. I mean, you look at the kind of take-up they have for tickets for the semi-final or the final when it gets into Wembley, and you go, actually, Man City fans... They like winning the EFL Cup and they kind of feel like they've got some kind of ownership over it now because they've won it so much. But at the same time, it pales in significance in terms of the trophies that they really want. Even the FA Cup isn't that important to Manchester City, I don't think. It's all about Champions League as much as they deny it. It's about the Champions League and it's about the Premier League. Coming up against Chelsea will be difficult, but do you know what? Man City are just favourites for every single game they go into at the moment because they have two full 11-man squads (laughs) that could beat most other teams in the Premier League so they can afford to do the rotation that Steve talks about that Liverpool be forced into and the difference between Man City and Liverpool is Liverpool haven't got that second 11 that they can bring in that are toe-to-toe with their first 11. Manchester City do and they can just bring in new players, they can bring in fresh legs, they can involve a couple of the younger squad and it isn't detrimental to the team they put out. So, and you compare that to Chelsea as well at the moment who are kind of in the middle of a rebuilding and we don't know what's going to happen over the next week with them but it feels like they need a couple of significant players in different parts of the pitch and probably some outgoing players in order to make that team work for Thomas Tuchel. There's rumors about Abamyang potentially coming in today for a start as to, uh, cause they're lacking a striker at the moment. So even though on paper, yeah, you'd say Man City versus Chelsea is a challenging game. I think it's, it's difficult to back against Manchester City in any game at the moment, no matter who they're against, um, and they'll fancy that one. But, like I say, at this early stage of the competition, it won't be too devastating if there is, and I, I use this word tentatively, if there is an upset.
1: Yeah, and it just—it sounds crazy because it's Chelsea you're talking about, but it would be framed as an upset. Manchester City losing at home in a competition they've been so brilliant in. Steve, before we take a break, I want to get your view on some of the other games. Liverpool, as you mentioned, are the holders. Manchester City have dominated over the last few seasons, but there's scope for a Premier League team to knock out a rival and then strengthen their own cause to push on for Wembley. But there's also, as as you look right the way through the list, there's championship sides that'll be looking at the situation and thinking, there might be a break for us here, and Based on the betting odds as it stands, City and Liverpool are comfortable favourites. Then it's Arsenal and it's uh, Spurs after that, and then it's a big, big gap before anyone else. Do you think anyone here from this list of games is looking at it and thinking we can get through this if one or two of the other bigger sides gets knocked out? We could have a road to Wembley.
2: Yeah, I think Newcastle will fancy it. I think you know they've got Chris, they've got mm. Crystal Palace in the in the you know the um, the round, it's second or third round, whatever it is. Um and with so many Premier League ties going on, they'll think, you know what, if one of Man City or Chelsea gets out, you know, one of Man United, Villa, etc., etc. they'll fancy going on a run and I think that'll be a real boost for that club and, and where they appear to be heading. So I think, the um, you know, you could do worse than put, put some money on Newcastle to win the Carabao Cup this season.
0: I think they need to make a statement this season, Newcastle. I think they're in this position where they have now... status as a big club pretender they have a bit of money to invest and there's a real expectation on them and I think the expectation is going to be obviously too early for them to win the Premier League they might finish top four so a trophy such as the EFL draw is a huge opportunity for Newcastle to put a line in the sand and go look we're here we're we're one of the contenders now we have got the potential to pick up silverware and I think Eddie Howe will know that and we know how good their form has been at the end of last season and the beginning of this season. They can beat anyone on their day, so I think Steve's spot on. I think Newcastle are one to watch in this year's Cup.
1: Yeah, it's not easy to get Marley on side, but you've both managed it there. Brownie points uh, with him until <laughs> until they inevitably get beat by Crystal Palace in the next round, and then he'll claim that you've jinxed them. Right, uh, we're going to take a break from uh, Football Social Daily Thursday duty. After the break, I'll be chatting to Tom from Who Got the Assist podcast. He'll be answering your questions on fantasy football. Moving into this weekend, my team is in need of massive surgery, and hopefully, he can help me out. All that to come after the break. <laughs> Welcome back to Thursday's edition of the Football Social Daily. As promised, we are talking fantasy football. And I'm delighted to be joined by Tom from the Who Got the Assist podcast. Now, the transfer window is almost closed and Tom is in France at the moment. Are you completing a last-minute transfer or just a little holiday, Tom?
3: No, no, I'm just uh, on holiday for a few days, so... (laughs) Yeah, I thought I'd, I thought, I thought I'd uh, pop in just to just to give people the, the fantasy football advice because I know there's lots of thought going on into people's teams ahead of uh, game week four, which is just around the corner.
1: Indeed, uh, Holiday doesn't uh, distract from the important business of fantasy football. We're going to jump straight into some of the questions that we've had via social media over the last couple of days. One of the focuses on Fulham star Alexander Mitrovic, now really positive start to the season for the Serbian international. Three Premier League goals so far for him. He's currently valued. valued. ...valued at £6.6 million on fantasy football. He's got 18 points already as a player. He's the fifth highest-scoring striker so far this season. Fulham take on Arsenal this weekend... Is he worth a punt? He has been good so far this season, but there's still the the lingering doubt about whether he'll score Premier League goals on a regular basis. What do you think, Tom? Well, I've I've I think that Mitrovic with he when he was last time he
3: was in the Premier League there was that kind of issue with market with the managers leaving and coming and going. There was kind of the Ranieri period. There was the Scott Parker period. And It wasn't really working out for him just because the manager didn't quite fancy him. Now under Marco Silva what you've got is a system, and we've seen it to the eye in the Premier League as well, a system which is built to service the Serb. And that, I think, means that he will score more goals than he's recorded in the past in the Premier League. We've already started to see it as well. In terms of the respect goals, he's actually joint top amongst all players so far this season with three. And he missed an absolute catalogue of big chances last weekend, didn't he? There were so many times that Andreas Pereira played him in, and he just couldn't convert against Brentford before he scored that last-minute winner. So, At the price i can see why you'd be looking at mitrovic that's for sure the only thing i would say is that the next four games aren't amazing so arsenal away brighton at home spurs away and chelsea at home now he might be able to perform and indeed probably should be able to perform against play teams of that caliber the only question i'd have in my mind is whether it's an effective use for transfer right now on the player with those fixtures but if you do want to free money up or you otherwise just fancy him i'm not going to dissuade you that's for sure
1: Okay, it's an in, it's an interesting one to look at, but again, it's still that that lingering doubt whether he can do it on a consistent basis. Uh, looking at the other end of the pitch, defenders we all know are sneaky little bankers for fantasy football points. But Liverpool this season were massively fancy to continue their defensive strong. Points from last season, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson were both amongst the top-performing defenders in in 21-22, but Liverpool have not had a great start to the season so far. They've not kept a clean sheet, and Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, the high standards they set for assists, also Virgil van Dijk in terms of that defensive rock for Jurgen Klopp, hasn't really worked so far. The temptation this weekend will be to refresh in defence, maybe take one or two of the Liverpool defenders out would you recommend that? Are there any defensive bargains floating around until Liverpool get their, their mojo back?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you've got double Liverpool defence, so if you're sat with Robertson and Trent, I'd say to lose one of them, I think at the moment, despite that they've got Bournemouth up next, I think maybe that could be a reason for you to hold fire for one week. But long-term, it, as you said, it doesn't quite seem like they've got that defensive solidity and periodically they've started slowly and it's just definitely been a tough time for them in terms of just Ref, uh, refreshing uh, the stability we saw, or we used to see at least uh, last season, the season before that. And um, teams are, um, you know, progressing. They're maybe coming towards the end of the cycle a little bit. Lights of Van Dijk getting a bit old now. People are going past Van Dyke a little bit more. And a few options you may want to consider. Um, obviously, Kieran Trippier is worth looking at and Newcastle. They do have Liverpool in game week five, but Newcastle's fixes up until game week you know, 12, 13 are very strong indeed, and he did. He scored a direct free kick this week. I think he scored the second highest amount of uh, direct free kicks in the Premier League after Alan Shearer for Newcastle. It just goes to show you there's kind of that there's kind of that kind of opportunity for points going forward as well as at the back. For Arsenal too, likes of Gabriel, Jintenko and Big Bill Saliba are all worth looking at. Our fixes are very very good up until game week 10, 9-10 sort of time. And Saliba chipped in for gold this week. So definitely uh, some options there if you want to save yourself some money and reallocate
1: those funds elsewhere. Okay, very, very, uh, very solid advice. Final question, and this technically is a social media question, but it's actually from Jim uh, surrounding his own fantasy football team. Darwin Nunez is banned for two more games as part of a three-match suspension for Liverpool. So much expectation surrounding the Uruguayan at the start of the season and whether he'd hit the ground running or not for Liverpool. He's definitely not hitting the ground running this weekend or for a little while due to that ban. Given the fact that a lot of people will have already transferred him out, who... Should you be throwing your money at? Darwin Nunez is quite an expensive player, so there's there's money to work with if you are Nunez less in your team this weekend. Where is the smart money going? in order to get someone that can guarantee you some goals this weekend?
3: Well, guarantees never happen, do they? Let's face it. <laughs> but the reality, <laughs> the reality is um, that you should have sold Darwin Nunez last week. don't know what you're doing, holding him for one week. That's uh, madness. But if you are holding Darwin Nunez, like Jim is, um, probably you own already Gabriel Jesus, you probably own Erling Haaland. So maybe I'd say you're looking at Ivan Toney at Brentford. Now, Tony, over the the first three game weeks this season, hasn't blanked at all, has looked very, very freshening to the eye. He's definitely one that you'd be keeping an eye on. And the fixtures are just fantastic, really. Up until game, well, he plays Arsenal in game week eight, and then he's got Chelsea in game week 12. But those are the only two tough games between now and November. So at 7.2, he's one you can just buy, chuck in and just not worry about and watch the points roll in over the long term. So that would probably be where I'd go if I was looking to sell Nunez at the moment.
1: Fair enough. And uh, finally, your secret little tip for this weekend. Everybody always wants a bargain. They want to know which player they should be bringing in for a reasonable fee that is an absolute points merchant. Give us a shout for this weekend on someone that has to be in your fantasy football team. Um. I'd actually say no one this week. (laughs) I'd say roll your transfer. Because one thing that's
3: probably not clear to a lot of people is that in game week five, so the next game week, that's a midweek game week. So if you can, I roll your transfer. So you don't have to use your transfer every week. You can roll your transfer and have two for the next week. I do that because then ahead of that midweek, we'll see a lot of rotation. You may be able to then move players around and get on those sorts of little bargains because you've got the likes of, you know, Fulham, who, as I said, you know, with Mitrovic playing Arsenal you've got the likes of you know Crystal Palace, where Zaha and Ezzy are uh, playing Man City, and you've got you know a few other teams like that. If you really were looking for one this week, there's likes of Rodrigo and Harrison at Leeds, albeit with a tough assignment at Brighton. Gross or McAllister, who's on penalty, is at, Le- at Brighton against Leeds. But my money would be on, the smart money would be on just rolling your transfer this week if you can. Just because I suspect you've got a decent enough team anyway. It's too early in the season to be panicking and trying to bring in a player every week, I think.
1: Mm, very interesting. OK, so the tip for this week is to keep your powder dry in the transfer market. Tom, thank you so much. Before we let you go, just give us a quick reminder where we can check out who got the assist and uh, the podcast and all the information behind it. Um, yeah, so we're who got the assist? You can, we are on at, on Twitter at WGTA
3: underscore FB we record every monday night so normally out every tuesday and during the midweek kind of period like it is coming up and we'll be doing we'll do a podcast pretty much just after every game week has finished so regular insight driven by data led fancy football chat find us there who got the assist everywhere you want to find us and at
1: wgta underscore fpl on twitter Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much, Tom. And to be honest, we all need a bit of fantasy football advice every weekend. After the break, we're talking real life transfers, West Ham and Liverpool, both in the market. Jim and Steve will be giving us their take on new arrivals at Anfield and at the London Stadium.
0: Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast
1: now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily.
0: Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk
1: Welcome back to Thursday's edition of the Football Social Daily, and we are talking transfers. And luckily for us, with Jim and Steve on duty, we've got West Ham and Liverpool in the news. Now, Jim, we're going to start with you on this because the transfer window is not quite in silly territory just yet, but we're approaching silly territory however David Moyes is not (laughs) it's always silly, silly territory for West Ham it's constantly in silly territory well, David Moyes is not laughing. However, he is annoyed that some people are laughing at West Ham. I'm going to talk about people laughing at West Ham in just a minute because I know you're going to want to defend them. Uh, but the serious business so far is Lucas Paqueta. West Ham, David Moyes has confirmed, have put a bid in in around 34 million for the Leon star, former teammate of Bruno Guimaraes, who's made the move to Newcastle and he's impressed. Uh, looking at his numbers, 18 goals and 11 assists from League One in the last two seasons. There's lots of attention around him. Flexibility is a big thing. That David Moyes has talked about in this. He can play in a number of positions. He can play in midfield. He can play further forward. And he would add a bit of Brazilian flair to West Ham. Now, West Ham are not frightened to spend money. We've seen that in the last few seasons. Emerson Palemi has come in from Chelsea in the last few days as well. But you get the feeling, I don't know whether it's because he's Brazilian or because he's quite skillful, he scores goals, etc, that this looks like it could be something very not West ham but could also be absolutely brilliant if they can get a deal done. I think that's the
0: question, and there's a big if they can get a deal done because West Ham, this transfer window particularly, have fallen short when it comes to the backing that players want. Not so much in transfer fees, actually. They seem to have been willing to put the money on the table that clubs have wanted to a certain extent, but in terms of getting personal terms agreed, that has been the real challenge with West Ham not willing to break their wage structure, when other clubs who have been in similar positions, and I'm thinking particularly about Jesse Lingard and his move to Forest, have been willing to put a little bit extra money on the table and convince players to go in that direction. With Poquetta, I think he looks like an absolutely superb player. Now, I'm not going to pretend I've watched a load of League 1 football over the last couple of years and can tell you exactly what he's all about, but from what I've read and what I've seen over the last couple of days, since these rumours started flying about I think he is exactly what West Ham need they've lacked a little bit of spark and threat from midfield in the last couple of seasons we've been very good in terms of having that sort of solid pivot at the back and having Declan Rice and partner whether it's been uh, Suchek when he's performed well he's been a bit off the boil this season but previously Suchek and Rice have been very solid but what we've lacked is that bit of creativity and someone to carry the ball through the middle and create a goal threat from midfield and I think Paqueta could be the answer to that problem. Now I heard Leon have actually rejected that thirty-four million pound bid. Now they want an extra eight million on top of that, which forty-two million quid for a player with his numbers and his pedig- pedigree in international football, and some of the numbers that have been touted around this season in the transfer market. I don't think that seems ridiculous, and I think West Ham would be foolish not to bid that extra money if indeed he is interested coming to come into east the East End because he looks like the real deal and I think like you say with the flexibility he he has and the ability to play in multiple positions through midfield, I think he could be a great solution for David Moyes this season.
1: Well, Moyes gave quite a detailed answer when he was asked about this, Jim, and he gave this comment about people laughing at West Ham. He said, you'd burst out laughing if you knew the players we bid for. So I just want to give you some of the quotes. He said, we bid for a lot of players this summer, and if I told you who we were going for, you'd burst out laughing and say, you're absolutely kidding me. Maybe we've gone above our station, but we do try to get top players because we know that we need it. A couple of top players coming in would give us a massive lift and ease the pressure on Rice, Antonio and Suchek. He also talked about agents and how it's difficult to deal with. He he basically just kind of cracked the window open a little bit and said, if you knew what was going on behind closed doors, both the players that West Ham have been interested in and the nonsense that they're having to deal with in terms of agents and image rights and contracts and all that type of stuff, I I don't really know how to take this. So I'm, I'm interested to get your opinion on this because... You said right at the top of the show, slightly tongue-in-cheek, this is West Ham's reality, battling down towards the bottom of the table. But back-to-back European qualifications, they did really well in the Europa League last season. They've got a first 11 with quite a few international players in it. They've got one of the biggest stadiums in the Premier League in the capital of the UK. Is that maybe a little bit underselling West Ham from David Moyes? Like They have got the money to spend. They're able to pay relatively good wages... Would you be laughing if you knew some of the players that David Moyes was going after?
0: I think West Ham are in a tricky situation at the moment and there's a lot of learning to be done by the football club in terms of acting like a club who have the status that they have. For all the reasons you just list, massive stadium, big draw, London location, European qualification, it all makes a very attractive proposition and it gives the opportunity for West Ham to kick on. I think we're seeing this at Leicester to a certain extent at the moment when they won the Premier League they failed to kick on from that situation and now they're finding themselves dropping down the league slightly and West Ham are in danger of doing exactly the same I kind of like and like and also hate (laughs) David Moyes's kind of behaviour in the transfer market at the moment in equal measures because we know David Moyes is an incredibly cautious man when it comes to spending club money and I think that suits the owners at West Ham we saw it at Manchester United one of his pitfalls at Manchester United was He basically treated the money in the bank like it was his money and was very cautious about spending it. He likes players that fit a certain profile. He likes players who behave and act in a certain way. He's very cautious of upsetting a dressing room atmosphere, which means the pool that he can fish in is very small. But also at the same time, he is determined as it is right in the transfer window, that every player that comes in should improve on the first 11. There's no point in bringing a player in if they're not going to improve what you've already got. So that's all great. That's that's exactly right. But West Ham are now trying to behave like the big boys in football. If they're going to improve on what they've got, they are looking for players... That The other top six in the Premier League are also looking at, and that's just in the UK. Obviously, you've got the European contenders for those signatures as well. And if you're going to attract those players, you need to be dealing with image rights. You need to be dealing with huge salaries. You need to be dealing with big signing on fees because those players can command those. And I don't think West Ham have stepped up to the mark in that sense yet. I think, like I say, there's a few deals that have fallen short with personal terms yet. So there needs to be an element of going look if we're going to go for these players it's not just about a transfer fee it's also about getting those other elements right and making us feel like an appealing prospect for those big names but I actually think so far I think West Ham have done pretty well in the transfer window the players that have been bought in for not a lot of money I think Skamaka for 30 odd million could prove to be an absolute bargain I think Maxwell Corne for 17 million or whatever he cost looks like a good deal I think um Thielo Keller uh, from PSV for 10 million. I think that could turn to be a good deal. So I'm pretty impressed with the transfer business that's been done so far. It just doesn't feel like there's been quite enough of it. But I'd be fascinated to see the list of names they have gone after and who has beaten West Ham to those signatures. Which are the transfer deals that have happened? Have West Ham been in the mix for?
1: Yeah, that was so annoying about Moises' quotes. Where no no journalists put the hand up and went. Well go on, David. Was it Messi? Was it Ronaldo? Who was it that we you know that we laugh so much <laughs> about? Um, but we're going to move on to Liverpool Steve. And Jürgen Klopp is, is also fairly annoyed. He's definitely not laughing based on Liverpool's form or their business in the transfer window. He's effectively said any future transfers between now and when the window closes will be decided by the club. He doesn't have his hand on the on the Liverpool wallet or the Liverpool purse strings as it were. And one of the big takeaways from the Manchester United defeat was the lack of a midfielder a progressive midfielder ironically exactly the time, uh, same type of player that Manchester United are crying out for and the uh, the gods of irony are also having a bit of a laugh with us this morning because top of the shop on the BBC transfer gossip page for Liverpool this morning is that they're interested in Frankie De Jong because he's not going to Manchester United he doesn't fancy, uh, he doesn't fancy Manchester uh, he wants to go down the road to Liverpool which uh, the climate is pretty much exactly the same I think someone should tell Frankie De Jong that. But what I wanted to ask you is how do they play this? Because Jurgen Klopp has said that if all their players come back fit, Naby Keita, Curtis Jones, Alex oxlade Chamberlain, and Thiago Alcantara, etc., they've got enough options in midfield, at least until the January window, and then they can address it. And Liverpool are, are quite cautious in the market, they like to go for specific targets, they don't like to be rushed or pay over the odds. So I've drawn up a, a list of options for Klopp. Short term. They battle through until January. They get these players back fit. We know that the World Cup doesn't include as many Liverpool players as it does from their rivals. A medium-term option, which could be Yuri Tielemans. He's dying to leave Leicester. You could probably get him for a cup price fee or long-term. And now long-term is Jude Bellingham. Liverpool are massively interested in him. We expect them to go for him next season. However, Dortmund don't like to sell more than one star player per summer. And Erling Harden has already gone... To Manchester City. Time's running out for Liverpool and Klopp. How do you see this going down in the next few days?
2: It's an interesting one because I think what we had the centre back crisis season before last, and it where you know we played the last ten games with Nat Phillips and Rhys Williams as a partnership, and managed to qualify for the Champions League and finish third, which was a miracle. Now we're having the same issues in midfield. Um, we've brought this upon ourselves. In, in all honesty, because we, we've got a 37-year-old James Milner who unfortunately can't play three games on the bounce and shouldn't have to play pay three games on the bounce, uh, pay or play. Um, but we're using him. Uh, Thiago, while he's a supremely gifted footballer and, and we love him, we're probably going to get half a season out of him, you know, maximum in terms of fitness. Jordan Henderson is is in poor form again. Um, is he, he's thirty one now as well? So, so you know, time is passing by with Jordan. Alex Oxlade Chamberlain is a write off. Uh, you know, he's there's no sign of him coming back. He he plays three games and then he's out for six to nine months again. We just can't work with that. And Naby Keita can't play for the club ever again, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think his attitude and his his work rate and his overall contribution for for the, the 50 plus million pound we play,
0: paid for him as has been a disaster. what's wrong with his attitude Steve is it just his, just his behavior on the pitch or is there something I'm not privy to necessarily the the inner workings of Liverpool so yeah, he's just not he's just a player who's
2: never really I don't think busted a gut to deliver for the club. You know, he comes in, he's, he's inconspicuous in games, you know, they, they pass him by. I mean, we were talking about it on a, like a WhatsApp group we have the other day, and we could probably name three or four significant contributions over the last four years. And that is nowhere near enough. And his injury record is ridiculous. Um, and, um, you know, I mean Jürgen said the other day, like, you know, he was ready to go and he fell over and hurt himself you know it's just like what the hell is going on do you know what I mean um, you know it's like a Daniel Sturridge again um, you know great gifted player he did really well at Leipzig hasn't delivered a thing for Liverpool and he's got pretty much every trophy that you could win in the back well he's been at Liverpool as well so he's done alright out of it Curtis Jones has got some mysterious injury which which we have no no idea what it is um, so you're left with Fabinho you know who's obviously a monster and um, You've got Harvey Elliott, who is who is has tremendous potential, but he's that's what it is at the minute. It's still potential. He's playing games, but I thought in the Man United game, I thought he was a bit lightweight. Even though there's some nice stuff going on, um, and and the um, all the abilities there and the technicalities, I still think he, he's a bit lightweight. Um, so it, we're struggling, and even with signing Darwin Nunes, Calvin Ramsey, and Fabio Carvalho. Um, and the outgoings that have gone out because a lot of players have left Liverpool you know, in, in, in this window so far I think our net spends about 12 million quid in this window something ridiculous like that and it is the FSG approach we've discussed this on this podcast many many times the Liverpool are very much a sell to buy club and there's nothing wrong with that um, you know it's a very kind of shrewd way of operating and they don't get many signings wrong and that. but what happens is A few injuries put you into a crisis like this.
1: Steve, in terms of targets, what do they do? Because Klopp needs to do something. They can't, I would say, they can't end the window without bringing in at least one more player. Because as you say, he's got to negate against this issue of injuries. Because there's injuries now, and if they clear up, and in October we have another five or six players out for Liverpool, then he's stuck until at least January. So does he stick or does he twist on this because they do have a big squad they do have options they just don't have options that can stay fit
2: that's why he's got he's got a twist he's I think the noise is that he's coming out with it I think he's now getting frustrated with some of these midfielders that can't stay fit you know I think you've got to be able to rely on the, on the engine of your team because Liverpool at the minute are rudderless you know they have no engine um, and it's having a, a massive impact on the defense because they're panicking because they've not got that protection in front of them and that other line of defense. And I think we've got. Uh, um, I mean, apparently, Borussia Dortmund they're interested in Nabi Keita. If there's a deal to be done for him, you know, I think we'll probably turn our attention to someone like you know Casido from Brighton. Um, I don't think Frankie Dion will happen. Um, I think that's just the press after a few clicks. Um, I think
1: Tielemans would be a good option. Uh, but for some reason, I'm not hearing a lot of noise around it. Would you be, sorry, just just to ask with, with Keita and, and Tielemans, you've mentioned issues over Keita's temperament and, and maybe some off-field stuff. Given the fact that Tielemans is c- clearly not happy at Leicester, he's not done a Fafana completely, but Rogers has been pretty straightforward about his attitude. Would that concern you if, if he was to, to join Liverpool?
2: Not really. Uh, I think that you know when when players' heads get turned, they get turned, don't they? And I think that that's the thing with football. We've seen it many many times where, you know, someone comes in for a player and they they've got the agent in the rear telling them to down tools and everything like that. You know, obviously the most famous example of that I can give us Harry Kane last summer. You know, and I think that's just part and parcel of the game that you you have to accept. Um, so I think if he come in, it, it'd be a big step up for him to join a club of the size of Liverpool from Leicester, and I think working with Jurgen Pep, Landers, and so on would would probably bring about a change in attitude and focus because we don't carry passengers at Liverpool, you know. and I think that's why we're probably going to twist and and do something different in this winter. I don't think Dortmund will sell Bellingham at the minute. I think the smart thing will be to get that deal done for next season now, because I think there's going to be loads of suitors. I think if Liverpool were to put down, say, five or ten million... You know, down payment to get the deal done now, and he has his last season in the Bundesliga, and I think that would be a smart thing to do. But who knows what's going to happen because Liverpool suddenly just pulled signings out the bag, don't they? You know, there's not a a lot of talk about it until it's pretty much on the go. You know, yeah.
1: It's uh, it's definitely one to watch between now and the end of the window. West Ham as well. We expect them to get a couple of names through the door. That's if they can stop laughing at David (laughs) Moyes' jokes. Jim, Steve, we're going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Football Social Daily. Thank you so much. Cheers, guys. Nice one, Fergal. Great stuff indeed. I'll be back later on this afternoon with Football Social Daily Shots. That's our brand new bite-sized podcast wrapping up all the afternoon Premier League news. And we're going to be on a little bit later today because there is the small matter of the Champions League draw that's taking place at 5 p.m uk time but knowing uefa it'll probably be taking place tomorrow morning but whatever happens we will be keeping you right up to date thanks for listening and we'll speak to you very very soon
0: football's social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode